Amen. Thank you, Donna. Thank you for your participation in worship this morning. It's wonderful to sing and be a part of the, the exaltation of the Lord, but it's also, and I know many of you have discovered this, it's also nice to be quiet and listen as the voices are raised to heaven and enjoy the music. And, and so I pray that you have been worshiping this morning, that, that you have united with the Spirit of God in this place to, to send that sweet aroma before Him. You know, today we have good news. I hope that you're open and you're ready to receive good news because I think there's some of us here today that desperately need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news that we have a God who is King of kings and Lord of lords, but a God who also is willing to kneel beside us and to wash our feet. A God who's willing to become man and to go to the cross to die and take on our sin. The year was 1940. Actually, it was June 18th of 1940. The Battle of Dunkirk had ended just a few weeks earlier. The Blitzkrieg, the German Blitzkrieg, had run the armies of France and of the Allies and of, particularly of England off the continent. And they had retreated 333,000 British and Allied troops had been evacuated from the shores of France in utter defeat and humiliation, leaving behind most of their weapons, their armaments, and everything in defeat. And two weeks later, three weeks later, Winston Churchill addressed his people. And he said this, Upon this battle depends the survival of Christian civilization. Upon it depends our own British life and the long continuity of our institutions and of our empire. The whole fury and might of the enemy must very soon be turned on us. Hitler knows that he will have to break us in this island or lose the war. If we can stand up to him, all of Europe may be free and the life of the world may move forward into broad sunlit uplands. But if we fail, then the whole world, including the United States, including all that we have known and cared for, will sink into the abyss of a new dark age made more sinister and perhaps more protracted by the lights of perverted science. Let us therefore brace ourselves to our duties and so bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its commonwealth last for a thousand years, that men will say, this was their finest hour. What is your finest hour? I suspect, I hope that you've had many fine hours, but hopefully our finest hour continues to lie in front of us. I believe that Jesus' fi finest hour begins with the story that we have talked about in John chapter 13. If you would, you might turn and, and follow me there. I'm just going to read the first couple of verses since we've already uh, read together a part of that, that story. But I believe that as we begin here, that this moment of Jesus in the upper room with his disciples, preparing for the Passover, washing the feet of the disciples, begins the finest and greatest hour of Jesus' life and ministry as he prepares for the cross. 
Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. And during supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments, and taking, all, taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Jesus knew that all of eternity depended on these next hours in front of him. Jesus knew that the next hours were the reason, they were the purpose that he came to earth, that he gave up his place with the Father and took on flesh to come and to dwell among us. So how would these next hours unfold? Would Jesus sink within himself to find strength and courage? Would, would he get on his earbuds and go sit in the corner and meditate for the next 10 or 12 hours until the soldiers came and found him? Well, we know he did spend some time in prayer. And that was important. Would he run away? Would he run away in despair? Would he run away because the burden that he was asked to carry was too great? And he would choose. After all, the Father had put this in his hands. He would choose to, to run away from the burden that was before him. Or maybe he would call down the heavenly armies to come and to free him and to, to relinquish this task from him. No, instead, Jesus would spend these last hours with his disciples, loving and nurturing them, encouraging them for the darkness that was soon to come, a darkness which they could only imagine, which they had no idea was before them. The scripture says at the end of that verse 1 that he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end because love is like that. Love endures to the very end. Another way to, to, to retranslate or to, to get a fuller sense of this idea that he loved them to the end is here at the end, in the last moments, Jesus showed his disciples how much he loved them. He showed them how much he loved them in this moment. He showed them how much he loved them until he could love them no longer. For you see, Jesus knew where he had come from. He knew where he was going. He knew that Peter and his disciples would deny him. He knew that Judas would betray him. And yet, in the upper room, in that moment, he took a towel he wrapped that towel around himself. He took on the posture of a servant. He took a basin of water and he began to wash their feet. 
Again, reminded of that, that day and time, reminding that, that those disciples had been out all day in their, in their sandal feet, that they had been walking the dusty streets. Maybe even they were muddy streets at the time. But feet filthy, scarred, dirty, maybe with sores on them. Unclean feet. And Jesus went about the business of washing those feet. We can't imagine. We can't imagine how shocking this was. Oh, very good. Thank you, Charlie. We can't imagine how shocking this must have been for the disciples. They must have been speechless as their, their Lord had come to take up the towel and the water and began to wash their feet. They must have been paralyzed to move because, you see, not even a Jewish slave could be forced or expected to wash the feet of anyone. So this act of humility completes the, offers a picture of the completing of the, the self-emptying of Jesus that would ultimately be pictured on the cross in just a few hours. And in horror, as the disciples must have watched Jesus do this act, Finally, someone, and of course it had to be Peter, finally Peter spoke up and said, Jesus, never, never shall you wash my feet. You're the Lord, you're the King, you're the Master. You can never wash my feet. And Jesus looked at Peter, I'm sure, with eyes of compassion and love. He must have looked at his disciples, all of them, and said, you know, if I do not wash you, you can have no part of me. Peter, if, if, if I don't wash your feet, you can't share in this Passover meal with us because you'll be unclean. Peter, if you don't let me wash all of you, your heart, your, your mind, your, your soul, your body, if you won't let me wash all of you, then, then you cannot have part of me for eternity. Oh, the gift of cleansing and of washing is one that all of us must experience, all of us must submit ourselves to in order to experience the the bounty of the life and ministry of Jesus. Are there areas of your life that you refuse to let Jesus wash? Well, Jesus, you, you can wash my hands, but, but don't touch my feet. Don't wash my feet. Are, those, are there areas of our lives that, that we're too ashamed of, we're, we're too embarrassed about to let Jesus view, view and peek into and to, to begin to cleanse, cleanse and, and wash and, and make pure and right? Oh, Jesus, you can, don't, don't, I'm, I'm too ashamed, I'm too embarrassed. Don't wash that part. Or maybe, maybe we're just too prideful. Well, you know, Jesus, that's really none of your business. You know, that, that's just my little area of my life. And who are you to judge? 
And who are you to come and to try to clean up that area of my life? I, I can handle this. I can take care of this. And because of our pride, we refuse the basin, we refuse the towel of Jesus to cleanse us. And what about others? Are we willing to let others serve us? Are we willing to let others come alongside of us and to be vulnerable and say, hey, here, here's how you could be praying for me. Here's how you could serve. You want to let others help you out in a bind. You see, serving each other and accepting the acts of service that come to us in a form of humility are the ways that we submit ourselves to the Lord and we submit ourselves to one another. Yet too often, we, like Peter, declare to Jesus and we declare to others, never shall you wash my feet. Oh, that we would understand that we've got to be washed. Each one of us. Each one of us washed and cleansed by Jesus. What about, what about Judas? Judas was in the room. Jesus washed Judas's feet. Interesting that Jesus said to Peter, Peter, you're clean, but not all of you. See, Judas received the outward cleansing. His feet were as clean as anybody else's feet were in the room. But inwardly, internally, cleansing never happened to Judas. And this serves as a warning for many of us. You see, some of us are really clean. You see, we're, we're squeaky clean on the outside. Yet we are filled with all kinds of dirt and yuck on the inside. And like Judas, we come to church, we, we do our religion, and on the outside we look clean and pressed. But on the inside, on the inside, our feet... <laughs> And our lives are dirty. They're, they're caked with mud and grime. You see, the word and the deed of Jesus Christ must be received and believed in order for it to take effect in our lives. We, we can all read the Scriptures. We can all give assent to, in our minds to, to what the Scriptures would say. But until we receive that, until we believe it, until we act upon that in faith, we remain like Judas, clean on the outside, dirty on the inside. You see, Judas heard, but he never received. Judas saw, but he never believed. Hear the words of Jesus. If I do not wash you from within then you have no part with me. Jesus continued with the questions. 
After washing the feet of the disciples, he he looked at them and he asked this question, Guys, do you know what I have done for you? Do you understand and comprehend what, what I have done for you? Oh, on the outside, it looks like I just cleaned your feet so we could share in this Passover meal together. But the reality is, is that so many times we do not fully and totally comprehend the magnitude of the washing that Jesus offers each of us. You see, it's not the area of skin washed by Jesus that's important, but it's whether or not we accept, accept his lowly, humble service of washing our feet of dying on the cross for us. You see, Jesus offers to wash every part of our heart, of our mind, of our soul, of our body. And He does this on the cross of Christ. Do we really know what He has done for us? You see, we are separated from God through our sin. Our sin creates a chasm that that we can't overcome and surpass. And it's only through Jesus Christ, through the sacrifice of the Son, that we can be reunited with God. Jesus takes our sin, our sin which makes us unholy and unrighteous before, before God, and He owns it, He wears it, He's crucified for it. And on the cross of Christ, His righteousness is placed upon us. And we are cleansed. And we are forgiven of our sin. Do you really know what I've done for you? Do, do you really, have you really looked deep within to see that old nature, to see that, 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 that evil wickedness that even resides within and to ask the Lord to cleanse to save and renew you from that. And there's one more thing. After asking the question, do you know what I've done for you? Jesus follows that up. And he says this. He says, I've given you an example. An example that you also should do as I have done for you. Because Jesus washed our feet, we are called to wash the feet of others. When Jesus washed the feet of the disciples, when he laid down his life on the cross, he did so as an example for us to follow. 1 John 3 verse 16 picks this up. John writes, We know love by this, that he, that Jesus, laid down his life for us And therefore, we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. To sacrifice. To give of ourselves on behalf of others. And Jesus, even here in John chapter 13, verse 35, we focused on it last fall. Jesus says this, The world will know that we are his disciples if we have love for one another. The world will know that we are his disciples if we learn what it means to wash the feet of one another. Thursday, I saw Buzz earlier. Thursday we gathered to celebrate the life of of Connie after her, her battle with cancer. 
I, I believe that cancer and all these diseases, I think we have an enemy that's out seeking to kill, steal, and destroy. And I've been amazed over these last, really about last four months, we have seen the, the enemy win on the account of cancer and of disease in so many different ways. He's won here with his physical body. He hasn't won eternally. He hasn't won spiritually because our faith tells us that, that those go on to be with the Lord and they receive eternal healing and life. And we celebrate and we grieve differently because of that promise. I think of Roy Brown. I think of Don Ferris, Don Hull, Al McCord, and now we got word this weekend that Kenneth Hudson, Carrie Hudson's husband, passed away after a battle with cancer. And as I shared in service on Thursday, as I've seen in their lives, each of these, these men, these husbands, Carrie, the wife, come alongside their spouse and love them and serve them and wash their feet sometimes very literally to the end to show and demonstrate how much they love their spouse until they can no longer love them in this place and those of you and those of us that have washed and walked alongside of them we have been encouraged and we have been inspired by this witness, by this testimony of men, of husbands and of wives that love and serve their spouses until they can no longer. And the example that that offers to their children and their grandchildren and to each of us. Church, this is the example that we are called to follow, to die to ourselves, to sacrifice to ourselves, to love others until we can no longer love them, regardless of the circumstances around them, regardless of the darkness around them. I've had, I've had important and significant conversations with, with several of you who have talked about, you know, what do I do when a family member does this or does that? You've got two choices. You can love them, or you can kick them out. I think the example of Christ is that we, we figure out how to love them, how to serve them, how to wash their feet so that through our act, so that the presence of Christ in us can work to cleanse and to bring salvation to those that we love and that we care for. So over these weeks, as we seek to see Jesus more clearly, we must see him with a towel. And we must understand that with a towel in his hands, Jesus is redefining greatness for each of us. You see, if we're going to see him clearly, we have to see him with that towel. You see, the world's idea of greatness is measured by how many people one person can control or one person can compel. A Roman emperor at the time of the New Testament said it this way. He said, I can do anything I want to anyone I want, as much as I want. And Jesus in Mark 10 said it this way. The Gentiles, the Roman emperors, 
The rulers of this world lord their power and authority over others. But in the kingdom of God, the standard of greatness is not found in how many people you how many people serve you, but rather how many people you serve. And Jesus said, and I believe I've said this before, is I think is one of the most formative scripture passages in my life. The Son of Man, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And on that night, described in John chapter 13, as Jesus begins literally his walk to the cross, on that night, Jesus demonstrates this greatness with a towel in a way that transforms the world. Jesus lived and died to reveal this truth of greatness to us. And how could we not expect Him to command us to follow that example as we love and serve others? Jesus washed feet and so must we. He's much more concerned about what we can do for others, how we can serve others, than how others can serve us. He gave His life a ransom so that we might be set free. We too are to give our lives as a ransom that others would be set free. You see, I believe that Jesus' final hour, His final hours, were His finest hour. And what about you again? We started with that question. What's your finest hour? What if each of us lived with the possibility that every hour could be our final hour? And what if we made each of those final hours our finest hour? We can begin today. Some of you need to begin by letting Jesus wash your feet. And we know that's more than just your physical feet. To, to cleanse your whole life. To forgive you. That's the good news. To allow Jesus to take the, the dirt and the grime that's not on your feet, but, but is in your soul and your spirit and your heart and to cleanse that and to declare you righteous and whole. Some of us need to continue today by serving and giving our lives as a ransom for others. Let's pray. Father, what a powerful, powerful story. Oh, that we would see the depths of the love of Jesus that washed the feet of those that were going to deny Him and of those that would betray Him. And He continues to wash the feet of deniers and betrayers today as He washes our feet through His work on the cross. Today, there are those that need to, to accept that for the first time, that would need to say, today's the day of, of salvation. Today's the day when I say, when I, when I change my mind and say, never would you wash my feet, Jesus, to Jesus. I accept, I believe, wash and cleanse me. And there are some of us that are as white as we can be, as clean as we can be on the outside. 
But today we need to let Jesus finish His work of cleansing on the inside. And for those of us that have experienced the cleansing of Jesus like Peter, like the other disciples, oh, that we would now commit ourselves to, to washing and serving and loving those around us. Father, stir our hearts. Draw us to this truth today. May we be great in your kingdom because you have given us the example of greatness. Let us be obedient. Let us respond. If God's stirring in your heart, you come and let us pray with you. If God's calling you to come and, and be a member of this church, you come and let us celebrate with you. Now let us stand and sing and make our commitments to the Lord. Amen.